0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to Revolutionary Relationships, a podcast that is here to support you in your emotional, relational, and spiritual evolution.
1: Yes. And if you don't know, we're your hosts, Kara and Caleb, and we are so glad that you are here.
0: All right.
1: Honey. Hey, everybody. We are here in your hometown.
0: We are here in Holland, Michigan.
1: Where you grew up.
0: Where I grew up. Where I discovered today
1: that you were the paper girl. (laughs) The paper girl. What is it called? I had a paper route and I was the paper girl
0: of the year. Yes. Yes.
1: We're telling our daughter this story. You
0: know what? It is an accomplishment. I've still got the (laughs) newspaper somewhere, the newspaper clipping. Oh my gosh.
1: I got to find that.
0: Yeah. They took my photo and everything. It was awesome. How
1: has it been for you being back home?
0: Oh man, such a good question. You know, honestly, I uh, I love Holland. I love Michigan. I love being the in the weather
1: a, has been. Oh, this place is so
0: beautiful, isn't it? The beaches, yeah. the the trees, everything. Um, I think I think family is always complicated. It's anytime a nice little we, mirror. Yeah, anytime we come home, <laughs> all of the healing work that we've done and all the stuff that we've learned in our adult life kind of comes to the surface. Yes, and so my stuff has been coming to the surface in a beautiful way. And I'm actually really grateful to have you here because I feel like having someone to process. Have you felt like,
1: Oh my gosh, I've worked on this so much in my life and now I'm here and it's still surfacing.
0: No, I think I've actually felt a lot more gentleness towards it. Oh, amazing. Like, Oh wow, that's still there. That's all right. Like, of course, it's funny because
1: obviously I don't have the history with your family. Like anybody, right? Yeah. Like you don't have the history with my family. Yeah. And so you're having these responses and these thoughts and I'm over here eating gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm enjoying, like crying. I'm having a meltdown life. and
0: you're like, "What is? what happened? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what oh, I happen? just happened?" I just felt this thing. <laughs> it felt something.
1: Now it's been so good to be here though. It has um, been. I do. I like visiting Holland, Michigan in yeah. the summertime. It is a gift to be out of the hot, sticky, humid, bug infested nashville yeah
0: i love this weather so much more and my family is honestly so great with all of their stuff it's just it's nice to be able to come in and do our world and and hang out and go on the boat and be on the beach and it's
1: been so nice like michigan is beautiful swimming in that water is remarkable
0: and everybody in my family is getting very excited about us having a baby i know
1: we're getting all the gifts.
0: Yeah, we're getting presents, and we're getting <laughs> excitement, and we're getting celebration, mm-hmm. and it, it feels fun to have family be anticipatory about this other little human joining the world.
1: Yes. Um, if you haven't had a chance to uh, listen to, it should be up as you're listening to this, the trailer episode yeah, uh, about revolutionary relationships uh, and really what it is all about and how we landed on this idea, we are so excited um, about pushing out episodes and really just combining our effort and our energy to focus on this one single podcast.
0: Yeah, we both believe. I think a huge belief uh, for both of us is that we are in relationship to everything in life. Everything. We're in relationship to ourselves. It's the number one relationship we'll ever have. The one we're not getting out of. We're in relationship to other people. We're in partnerships. We're in relationship to uh, things outside of humans like money. Which the we're
1: relationships. Talk about today. Yeah, they. the, They determine the quality of our life.
0: Yeah. And after a year like 2020 and and so much shifting and changing in the world, I feel like how we do relationship is pivotal to how we're going to experience the remainder of our life.
1: Absolutely. And today we had a chance to jump on the podcast, which I absolutely love. We had um, our friend Aaron Sky Kelly, who... I just wrote a book, Get the Hell Out of Debt, and we really kind of just dove into what it looks like to have a healthy relationship with money.
0: She's so good, isn't she? Very articulate. She's so articulate. She's also someone who has a uh has had a dysfunctional relationship yes. with money and has moved into a healthy relationship with money. And so her story is so empowering and so hopeful because it really allows us to um to look at the way we relate to money, the way we, we relate to partnerships uh in relationship to money yep. the way we um do money and come from money stories in our family
1: that's big mm-hmm. like the money stories that are still as adult as adults now the money stories that we learned as children that are still the driving forces behind our lives until we'll be until we become more aware of them yeah right and Yeah. so she does just a beautiful job of just articulating how we can begin to change the narrative mm-hmm. around our money story mm-hmm. and how then, we
0: can heal yeah how we can put back together what was broken and how we
1: can just start throwing away the things that don't belong. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you'll really, really get something out of this episode if um, you're somebody that maybe feels stuck in your financial world and you're in this place where you want to make more money but don't know where to start. This episode is going to give you so, so much Mm. um, that you could take into your own life and begin to ask yourself more specific questions. Or if you're somebody that's maybe, you know, you're making uh, great money but you want to get to this next level, you want to expand your life financially speaking. Um, I promise you'll get something out of it as well.
0: Yeah, it's such an amazing episode. Let's go ahead and jump into what Aaron has to say. Awesome. Yeah, I'm curious on, on your thoughts on this. I think that Caleb and I feel like we have found... Like such a soulmate love mm-hmm. and we feel like we're best friends and the, the timing of our lives aligned beautifully to allow the other to, you know, like we did the work to allow the other to enter in. And so when we talk about relationship and love, I think we speak from this place of soulmate possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what you know, people have, have leaned into with us too, of like, how did you, how did you find your soulmate? How did you find your person? I'm curious for you if you think that's possible for most people. Oh Yes.
2: But here's the thing is it's not, it's not the same way you find a date on an app Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. when you're putting in all the check, like we, we, put people into these like check boxes. Like we're going to order them on Amazon, right? I want them mm. to be five, nine or taller. I want them to be a non-smoker, like, you know, social drinker, whatever. And we put and brrr, filters out all these people, but it's, and then you're like going through them. You're like, ah, I don't like his shirt. I don't like his white stitched jeans. I don't mm. like, you know what I mean? It's like this, like <laughs> we're turning humans into commodities mm-hmm. instead of understanding there's so much more to what those dating apps and stuff are, are giving us in terms of possibility. Mm. Oh, I just see that my, Internet is unstable. Sorry
0: for that.
2: Um, So, but like I, what we're missing as humanity is that return to that unconditional love. Mm. Like, Am I able to fall in love with somebody wholly and completely for who they are in spite of their white-stitched jeans? Yeah. Yes, but I'm not giving myself or that person the opportunity to show up in a loving way. Everything is so conditional. Yeah. And it's like if you do this for me, I will do this for you. And if you don't pay for the date, then I'm not going like, to you know what I mean? There's all of these rules and and when we can throw all of that out, that's why I think what you model is so beautiful is because you neither of you were concerned about those things. You were living in a dating world, right? Mm. You were But at the same time, you were focused on your own well-being and serving others at a really high level. And then, what happened is, right when you're living at that level, you are going to be surrounded by somebody who's going to meet you at your soul level, mm-hmm. which is completely different than swiping right or swiping left. Totally. So, I do believe that 100. Yeah. percent
0: Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like the modern dating world. I always compare that, like Bumble, to like binging. You literally can just go on a binge and you don't ever fully feel satisfied. You don't ever fully feel nourished, but you've just filled yourself with so much. And it's, it makes you sick. Like I think I am working with Not to say
1: though that it cannot work.
0: Oh, it absolutely can work. Yeah, yeah, it's not a total bashing of, but I think we have to be so aware of when we're binging. Like when we're. Like in the same way when we're eating food, we know when we switch over to a binge, we know when we switch over to emotional eating. And so in the same way with, with like bumbling or overindulging in in dating apps, it can, it can become so destructive if we're not conscious of how we're using
1: it. I just think it's a, it's a great distraction Hmm. from diving fully into yourself, which can create the space to invite this soul Partnership that you're actually looking for, yeah. Like you were talking about, Erin. So it is easy to stay on and relationship, like a, a dating app, and check all the boxes mm. and make sure they have X, Y, and Z, which is good and which is great. But there is like another way. Mm. Yes, there is yeah. another way, and if you can just open yourself up to that, it will. It'll be one hell of a journey because it will never turn out the way that you expect it to turn out. But the things that will surface and the things that will be mirrored back to you are the things that you want to face head on and lean into um, so that you can create that emotional space in your heart to attract the thing that you actually desire.
0: Yeah.
2: And I just think it's dangerous because it gives you the illusion that, Oh, if I don't like this character about this person, there's 40 other ones I can choose from. Mm -hmm. So it also gives you this false illusion that like you can just go next, next. And, Mm and, and, not do the work like you it makes it more about Mm -hmm. oh if i just find the right person it will work versus i'm going to become and i'm going to do the work with i'm choosing this partner to do this work with yeah and therefore we're aligned so it's messy in a lot of ways but i have a friend who's she's like this you know online dating was what worked for me and i was like it took you seven years but sure you know,
0: (laughs) sure Yes. And you probably yeah. learned a lot yeah. in the process. It's funny too. I feel totally. like I feel like with Caleb, I'm like, he didn't wear white stitch jeans, but he, he was not at all what I would have picked out on paper. I talk pretty openly about that. Like you, I joke that if I had met him in a bar, yes. I probably wouldn't have given him the time of day. Or if I would have seen you on Bumble, I definitely wouldn't have swiped. Right. Because you just weren't my quote type, right? Like you weren't the one that I had right. envisioned myself with. And I think that that is another danger of, of the apps is that we yeah. get, like you said, so stuck on what we think we want and what we think we like. Yes. And we actually, uh, yeah, we deny ourselves the possibility of, of, of true soulmate connection.
2: Yeah. Yes. i the with my husband, I would never have gone on a date with my husband mm. had we met had we not accidentally come together the way we did too. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm full on for that because I would have, but he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have made the first filter. Uh-huh. Right. So it's, it's just, I think it's fascinating <laughs> that, you know, when we can take a step back and look and go, you know, who, who it, the type is not what we need to be looking for. We don't need to be looking mm. for that. We need to be looking for the person who's going to do this life with us. Who's yes. going to do this work with us. Yes. And that is not a type.
0: That's a soul. Mm. I it's love that. Good. Soul. Yeah. It's so good. I love
1: that. Um, it's funny because, you know, talking about relationships, Kara and I, you know, I was never looking for my soul partner, you know, and it's made me realize that as I am talking and engaging with other people and they do ask about our love story, and um, it's fun. And they're always kind of surprised when I say like, oh, I was never looking for her.
0: We on our like first hangout, I, I asked him, I was like, have you been like praying for your person your whole life? And he was like, nope, <laughs> never. And I was like, what? I've been over here longing and praying and waiting and fighting. And,
1: and I angst. never have. But I think the the important part is, is like whether like whatever you're looking for and if you are looking for your soul partner this person that you you really feel that you're called to do life with and they have that experience of love i think the best thing that you can do and i think this is kind of relates to anything that you're looking for in life the best thing that you can do is to honor your truth today mm-hmm. like that's what i was doing like i was after something i wasn't necessarily after my soul partner but i was like after trying to like satisfy this deep inner ache in me, trying mm-hmm. to understand like what is happening in my internal world, and that just kept me going down and honoring the truth that was in front of me today, and in honoring that truth in front of me today, it surfaced what it needed to surface, get, mirrored back to me, gave me opportunities to work th- what I need to work through in that season, and that led me down to experiencing this mm-hmm. thing that I didn't even know was possible, or this thing that I thought I was truthfully disqualified from because of my right. history and my past. But that is what opened up the doors for me to experience this. And so I tell people a lot, like I think sometimes we get very tunnel vision. Like I'm trying to find my soul partner. And so I need to be so involved in the dating world. I need to be so involved mm. on all the apps. Mm-hmm. I need to go to this, then this and this and this and this. Got to have all the non-negotiables, which are good and great. But sometimes you don't need any of that. You need to honor your truth today. And that can actually be the biggest distraction for you. Yeah. Because it's preventing you from actually diving into what you're being asked of today, even if it has nothing to do with finding love or finding partners. But it is what's in front of you today.
2: Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And just think of like the... Many times we missed out just even on connecting with another human, right? Like mm. we're so busy scanning the room. Yeah. You know, that you're missing opportunities for helping somebody that has a flat tire or you know, all kinds of other opportunities to just serve and, and show up for people. So oh gosh, you're see what you just said there, we have to like <laughs> we have to slurp that out and put it in a book. <laughs> Cause that was so brilliant. Working on it. Working well, on it. Talking
1: about relationships, Kara and I were talking about. Um, you and how much we just enjoy you and honor you and respect you. And I've had a chance to dive into your book a little bit, which also thank you so much for that package. Um, It was so good. um, So good. Um, But what Kara had said, and she can explain it, but she was like, I I feel like Aaron has like a good relationship with money. Mm -hmm. Like she teaches about the relationship that you have with money. And that's so, so important. So maybe you can kind of dive into, um, where your relationship with money started, because you did write that book, Get the Hell Out of Debt. Um, So where did that relationship start? What did it look like? And what has it evolved into?
2: Well, I think it's such a great, you know, segue from what we're talking about, because I really had a conditional relationship with Mm. money in the beginning. Money Mm. used like, what could money do for me is what Was important to me. And I ended up in this position through a series of really small, but very profoundly stupid decisions, got myself into like a really big hole and felt worthless and lost and confused and all the things that people who carry consumer debt for long periods of time Mm -hmm. feel. And it was like this I kept trying to find a quick way out of it because I just wanted it to end so badly. And, and so I would, you know, go to a financial professional and they'd be like, let's refinance. And I was in the financial industry myself for a long period of time. And so I was doing all these, but I wasn't like, it wasn't working. Like I wasn't, all that was happening was I just kept paying different people interest Mm. and they were getting richer and I was getting broker. And so I, I was really like, I have to deep dive into this. I have to understand how money works. Cause I clearly don't respect it and it doesn't respect me
0: mm.
2: and we're not working well together. And so I treated it a lot. Like I would treat any other relationship. It was mm. like, you know, If this isn't about how money can serve me, if instead it's like, how can I serve other people through money? If instead I can have sort of more of a holistic or a healthy view around money, then my relationship with it will improve much like you'd improve your relationship with your health. Some people have a terrible relationship to health Mm -hmm. because of, you know, those underlying beliefs or their history and, you know, those kinds of things. So it's, I think it's critical to understand like, who am I when it comes to money? How does money function? And then now how can we work together? So it really was like just like you know when you're dating, you're getting to know somebody. It was like, okay, well, how do you work, right? Like, mm. what's compound interest, or like, what does this mean, and like, what is, and how does the economy work? And so I just really started to pay attention to the details. Uh, yeah. And then it's you know any great love, you know, will tell you that it's you know you don't just check in with your partner on the anniversary. Be like, hey man, how's it going? Good, good. We're gonna do this another year. Great. Okay, Bye. Peace out. Right. You. You are putting their towel in the dryer to warm it up for them. So when they get out of the shower, they're comfortable. You're making a pot of coffee in the morning to make their life easier. So it's like those little tiny details that you're paying attention to are the thing that make your relationship great. And they're Mm -hmm. the thing that differentiate you and your partner from all the other relationships you have in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of do that with money. I had to get, I I always joke that you have to get really intimate with money first so that then, you know, you can have an actual relationship with it. And so I just, from square one had to do that.
0: Yeah. I love this. I think it's so beautiful. We, uh, in the beginning of our relationship, we, um, we talking with a friend and she was like, I would really challenge you to write a letter to money.
1: A love letter and or no, like an apology just a, letter, just a letter, letter? to okay. see
0: what was revealed about how you think about money. And mm-hmm. it, it was the first time probably for me, where consciously I looked at what is my, relationship yeah. with this yes. thing that I'm using every day and that also I'm,
1: like really want to expand in my life yeah. <laughs> and
0: I'm in a place of expanding but what are what when I write this letter what underlying beliefs about money come up what are the things that I I believe and that uh, are, are preconditioned in me and, and all yeah. of those questions and I love the way that you referenced um, developing a respect for money because I think that so many of us we come you know we we come up and we grow up with stories about Money. And even we both come from like very evangelical backgrounds. So like the love of money is the root of all evil. And oh, yes. and that's so ingrained deeply that this idea of if I love money, then, you know, it's, it's a dangerous and slippery slope. And so writing these letters was super revealing to us.
1: Massively. To I to started s- to cry.
0: Yeah. To start <laughs> to explore like, oh my gosh, I've been mad at you money. I've, I've been, blamed
1: you for all of our problems.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm scared of you. I'm terrified of you. I uh,
1: haven't treated you well. Like mm-hmm. I've spoke ill of you.
0: I'm always afraid you're going to run out. Like, like I'm always of, afraid of you leaving me.
1: If you personify <laughs> money and make it like a person, like a friend, Fred,
0: uh-huh. right? Yeah. Money is
1: Fred. Like Fred if, would never want to come around in my life.
0: <laughs> Fred <laughs> would never want to stay in relationship in the with way me. That
1: I actually was. Yeah. He would never mm-hmm. want to be in a, a relationship with me or a friendship with me because I treat Fred terribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you think of it like that in regards to your relationship with money, It's just like mind-blowing. And also in addition to that, when you think about like, not so much with Kara, there have been some times in our relationship where this has surfaced, but in past relationships, when I was really feeling emotionally unsafe and also full of shame, I would hide, Mm -hmm. right? I would find ways to hide from the thing that I needed to confront. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're carrying also shame Mm -hmm. in your relationship with money, Mm -hmm. you hide Mm -hmm. from money. Yes. It's like, I don't actually want to look at this, Kara, <laughs> yes. at a, early on in our relationship, because I have not treated money very well in my life. And I've always, and I think me and you had talked about this a little bit on your podcast, like money for the longest time, just made me feel stupid, right? Yes. So here I am trying to make more money in my life. But at the same time, money makes me feel incredibly stupid. So I've got two conflicting energies Right. Yes. And I wonder yeah. why I'm not actually seeing an increase in my life. And it's yeah. not about working harder. It's about resolving this. Right. And I've carried so much shame mm. in my mm-hmm. relationship with money. And I was definitely the guy that was like, it will just go away if I ignore it. Right.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> go- <laughs> really thought that by just ignoring certain <laughs> things, they would go away. I'm like, that's not quite how this works. <laughs> but then you you get into the 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 depth of that and like oh you really there's like shame here so much and shame. there's yeah. embarrassment here and there's um there's so much healing opportunity here
1: i'm still afraid to look at certain things even though i know mm. that mm-hmm. it's fine like this bill i knew it was coming or this bank account whatever it, like i know where it's at but i'm like, i'm like oh, like i don't want to look at that <laughs> mm. because it, like there is something still in my bones in my body some trauma trauma in there in regards to my relationship with money, that's still I, I'm really focused on on working through.
0: Yes. Yeah. Do you feel like uh like do you feel like most people are conscious of their relationship with money? Or are most people living quite blind to to yeah. actually being in relationship?
2: I think most people are blind, right? They're like driving through the McDonald's, getting the Big Mac and the Diet Coke, like unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Money. Yeah. And and I think I think that's okay. Cause the system, the entire system is designed to keep us that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like people mm-hmm. are doing anything wrong. It's just, we haven't always been educated. We don't yeah. all, we don't all have parents to talk to us about money. We don't all have relationships where it's safe to talk about money. Yeah. Um. You know, and I have such a great visual Caleb for when you're talking about money makes you feel stupid. Cause we all have that couple friend where when he goes to say anything, she rolls her eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> She's like, Her entire life is to make him feel, and we're all like, "Gosh, I hope they break up." Right? Like, there's part of you, like deep down, that's like rooting for, like, "I hope he finds somebody." Great, Mm -hmm. and so that, like, she's not doing that on purpose. Mm. She's not consciously. That's unconscious for her too, right? Mm -hmm. So all of it is like this big thing where we're all walking around with credit cards or you know bank cards in our wallets, going about our life, tapping here, doing this, whatever, and assuming that everybody else. Knows everything,
0: yeah, and
2: everybody like that. That eventually, it's all going to be okay. So, like, you know, when I get a raise, that I'll be able to handle this. Or when I, right, like when <laughs> mm-hmm. something external happens, then the internals going to change. Mm-hmm. So the unconscious part is really just about how we've been conditioned. I think even to, you know, like with bank ads on television or the way people talk about money or how tiny the finance section is in a bookstore, mm-hmm. right? That we've just been,
1: yeah,
2: you know, the the systems that profit off of us not paying attention yeah. are active 24 seven. Yeah. And so it's yeah. more of a, you know, it's, nobody's intentionally being reckless. I don't yeah. think anyway, I don't know anybody who purposely is like, I'm, you know, 16 years old and what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I don't know, but I definitely want to be in $30,000 worth of credit. credit. <laughs> it Doesn't happen. And so I think like the majority of people are, but even the ones you hear it in the languaging and you would be so good at picking this up. I know you, but like the, the languaging around things like, um, oh, but I pay my credit card off every month. Mm. As soon as you get an, oh, but uh, I pay my credit card off every month. You're like, this person's headed for disaster.
0: Mm-hmm. And we've
2: all said that, but that has been taught to us by the institutions that run those credit cards, yeah. that that's the best way to manage money. And if you do that, that's the gold standard. And it's such a gold standard that we're going to give you a really high score.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Right. We're going to give you a 10 out of 10 for this behavior. And so it's that when you like step back and look at what that represents, mm-hmm. that represents not that you're good with money, but that you're a very good borrower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that score represents, okay, if a lender sees this, then we're going to lend you even more money. Give more- right. Like, That's what that's a benchmark of. But we're living unconsciously with this idea that, okay, that must be good. And therefore I'm good with money. And so I'll just keep going and eventually this will feel easier. But that's 100% not the case. And that's not what we're being set up for. Yeah,
0: it reminds me a little bit of being in constant survival. Like it just Mm, feels like if you're living that way you really are just in survival mode. And we've been talking about this a little bit, just this idea that when we are in survival mode, we actually don't have capacity to create. No, like our energy no. turns off and we don't have capacity to invite in and create. And I'm just thinking about the the majority of people in the world who, who yeah. live in survival, not only with finances, but in so many areas of life. And it yeah. really does take waking up to that and, and doing the work to help heal the relationship. that ever allows you to step forward into freedom in an area
1: yeah Yeah. this is a long-term game too Mm -hmm. like we're playing a game of energy here in relationship and consciousness Mm -hmm. like this doesn't just flip a switch overnight Mm
2: -hmm. you know and i think we have to really be mindful too that there are some people who for the system or the margin that they happen to be living in thank you this is not going to be a situation that's totally. going to be able to be fixed with yes. consciousness, right? So I think yes. we have to be aware. But I think we have a responsibility as people of privilege to yes. master this so that we can help free, uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, those those chains and in the, in the way that that's all structured. Injustices. Because there just are some people who the difference between feeding their children and not is being able to put those groceries on a credit card. And there yeah. cannot be shame around Absolutely. that. If we are yeah. judging or shaming, like, and I know you guys aren't, but no. I just, uh, I I'm have glad to you say said that. this. But, you hear oftentimes in the financial world like oh you have to take personal responsibility or whatever and that's true for most of us but not true for all of us yeah Absolutely. i
1: i'm so adamant on that because you have to have a feeling of emotional safety to do this work
0: yeah. to do right? any to work to do right? any work to do any work to any work mm-hmm. and that's
1: why like having an emotionally safe relationship is such a profound experience in your life because the relationship mirrors back. To, you can you can evolve mm-hmm, exponentially, yes. evolve in every area of your life. But I can't stand, and I'm I'm glad that people are becoming more aware of this, and the language is shifting a little bit. But it's like, oh, you want to you know make more money, change your belief systems around mm-hmm. money, and I'm like, fuck yeah. you. Like <laughs> if I don't feel emotionally, if I am in a middle, if I just got dropped off in a yeah. combat zone and bullets are flying by me, hypothetically mm-hmm. speaking, and I'm trying to get the magazine into my my rifle so that I can engage into this battle, and you're telling me to stop and yeah. change my belief mm-hmm. systems? Like, yeah. that's what most people are experiencing every single day is, like, I don't have the safety of actually, I don't feel safe enough, and the bullets of life are flying nonstop mm-hmm. and whizzing past my head nonstop, and it's just not fair.
2: Yeah. Yeah absolutely yeah it doesn't matter what you what your beliefs are if you you have to put food in your belly right now Mm -hmm. that's primary yeah yeah i think that's so profound but that's what's so beautiful i think you know when you look at what you two have done with your relationship and what you're doing with your finances and how you're building and growing and you know consciously preparing for um you know what's coming next for you and all of that like that's a thing that a lot of partners are able to do for each other, but just don't know how.
1: Yeah. As mm. well.
2: Right. Like yeah. they're like, oh, well, if he would stop spending, then things would be fine. But you know, the view that you have both is like, okay, what's my where's my lane in this? And how can I best support my partner in love? Like, what are some things you would tell like a couple mm. who's struggling financially? What do you think they need to do? Yeah. Off the top.
0: Oh. Are you ready to give financial advice. Jeez. <laughs> you know, it, sir, I know you've I'm talked like, about it.
1: i right? hire Erin.
0: Hire Erin. <laughs> Read Erin's book and then hire her. Um, you know, it's funny that you, you asked that question. Cause one thing that comes to mind for me is that something I started to notice in myself when we got married was that in my, in my early twenties, all of my energy, um, my angsty energy was spent on my body. Like how do I fix my body? How do I fix getting skinny enough? How do I project all of this internal angst on solving a, a body, right? And then I did, I did a bunch of healing around my relationship with my body and that kind of fell away. And then all of a sudden, all of that angsty energy jumped ship and went to my singleness. So it was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna find my partner? When am I gonna find my person? If I ever find my... all this anxiety energy around uh, finding my person. Then Caleb comes into the picture and I'm like, oh, that's solved. I don't need to have anxiety about that anymore. And then it was as though I could literally see anxiety jump ship again mm. to finances and career. Mm-hmm. And I I noticed immediately, especially in early uh, like engagement, I was like, huh, huh, how are we going to be? And, and uh, two, in early engagement, because we got in, engaged in January of 2020, in March of 2020, we lost all of our work because we were both outward facing in our, in our work. And so when the world closed, our jobs closed. And so I felt, I felt all of this inner anxiety about like, Ooh, how am I going to create, how am I going to make money? And, and I noticed, I think I was aware of enough at that point of myself to be like, Oh, wow, this is the same thing in a different wow. piece of clothing. Right. And so I think for me, a huge That's part cool. of really good. the work, for the two of us has been my own internal work of kind of what we were talking about. How do I relate to money? (laughs) How do I, how do I picture this? And, you know, I grew up in a home of not enoughness, always not enoughness. Even when there was constant enoughness, the language was not enoughness. And so I think my tendency is to default to that of like the fear of, oh my gosh, we might run out. And so Mm -hmm. really looking at that and asking myself, like, what is it, what does it take for me to heal that belief? Like, what does it take for me to get in relationship with money, where it is very trusting and where it's, um, it's, it's the, you know, it's the deep knowing that I am always held and always provided for and always taken care of, and I have more than enough capability to create more wealth. I, I have more than enough capability yeah. to create in the world, but I think, uh, I think in terms of the two of us. We've done work together, but I think it started with me doing my own individual work around absolutely healing this weird anxiety energy. Right. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Go I'm ahead, just go I'm, I'm just
1: picking. trying to think... Um, I think we unconsciously, or whether we're aware of it or not, the, usually the narrative that we're constantly telling ourselves is, I need to make more money. I need to make more money. Mm. I need to make more money, right? This is like the running narrative that's going through every one of our heads. And I think at some point, you're going to have to stop. Like, maybe that is true. You need more money, right? But that need is, there's something beneath the need. And I think we can learn how just to start asking better questions, mm-hmm right? Move from, I need to make more money. And because that's very reactionary and there is a level of, and I hate using this word, like kind of victim with that. Um, and if you can just learn to be a little bit more present and be more self-aware in your life and learn how to practice self-awareness, you can start asking better questions around money. Um, like what am I actually afraid of? What's my relationship with money? How does money make me feel right? Like, when you when i had the when i had the revelation of like i feel unsafe with high amounts of money right i think i told you that story on your podcast when i spoke at that small church and that young that old woman gave me a check for $10,000 and in the moment that i should have been ecstatic i had a panic attack mm, right here i am somebody just hands me a check i spoke for 40 minutes and walked out with like $12,500 right amazing. and that was such a an amazing experience in my life but i'm having An actual panic attack because I don't feel safe Mm -hmm. with that amount of money because my history has taught me that I don't know how to handle that amount of money. And And so your nervous
2: system is like, get rid of it. Absolutely. Get rid of it.
1: it. So what do I do? I blow it or I do this, I do that. And then you're like, what the hell happened? Where'd all that money go? Right. And so I think there has to come a time in your life where you start to ask yourself harder, deeper, um, more specific questions around money. And those questions can be anything. But also, you know, when you engage with work like yours, or read other books around this concept, like they're going to help you phrase the, the right questions for your life. Mm-hmm. Right? We're right. always looking for answers. Like, how do I make more money? That's a bad question. Right. Mm-hmm. There, or maybe not Not, the not best. bad question. That's not the best question. There are deeper, more specific questions. Yeah, I shouldn't say that bad question, but there are more specific questions that you can begin to ask that can help you get more specific answers.
2: And I think even just understanding that there's always going to be a wanting. Mm-hmm. And so we're trained to focus on what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And so when we can have a relationship with the wanting that's in us and understand like What is this wanting? Like, what do I actually want to feel right now? Mm, That's so good. And and, you know, what is my relationship to that? And just know, like, oh, that's not actually me right now. That's just that little wanting that's living inside me. That's like Mm -hmm. right. And then focus then instead on what we do have, and you know, all of the abundant techniques that everybody teaches. Right? Those are those are critical things. But just knowing that, like, that's never going to go away. That's when the time you were very little and you were helpless and you cried and somebody hopefully came and comforted you, but if not, whatever, but you had a wanting and mm-hmm. the need was met or not met. And that wanting then translated to when you were 12 and Maybelline told you that, you know, <laughs> maybe you're born with it. Maybe it's a wait or, you know, like all of the things that were, were shown where the, where the gaps are in our lives were taught like, Oh, this is something that you need. Yeah. You look right. at yourself and go, wow, I do have acne. I do need clear. Mm. Oh my gosh, I better yeah. go get it. And so we're, we're trained to like when we feel the wanting to go pay externally for a solution. And Mm. instead we can go, Oh yeah, I I feel that. That's making me self-conscious about my acne right now. Instead, why don't I just sit and look at like all of my other amazing features or be glad for the people that I'm spending time Mm. with or Mm. like, you know, call my neighbor, see if I can borrow a score to clear sell put toothpaste on my face. But you know what I mean? Like just really understanding your relationship to like that desire and knowing yeah. that that's never going to go away and that's okay. And when that happens, what am I going to do? Am I going to just sit in that feeling and just, you know, see where it goes? Or am I going to just automatically externally respond
0: mm-hmm.
1: and
2: blow up my financial life and then blame money yeah. for being in the situation to begin with? So yeah. yeah.
1: If we can start to learn to realize like in what in the kind of the vein of what you're talking about, that my emotional response that's centered around this need for more money is actually the doorway to making more money.
0: Mm. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if we
1: can understand, like, oh, this is the game that we're playing, Mm -hmm. right? I need to make more money. And so we're out here externally searching for how to make this happen. But what we really fail to recognize or what we want to begin to recognize is the emotional response that's centered around the need to make more money is actually... The way to make more money is working through and processing and getting really curious and learning how to learning how to calm your central nervous self down nervous system down self-regulate and really understand what these messengers are teaching us then we're actually positioning ourselves to create more abundance in our life
2: mm. yeah and, and one thing that I always have to remember is drama is expensive so when you're uh, feeling that panic, like drama in general. If you've got a dramatic friend, it's going to cost you money. If you have a dramatic <laughs> boss, it's going to cost you money. So right? true. If you love the drama, it's going to cost you money. So, like, understanding that when you feel that internal drama, like that need to make money, that need to make money, yeah. you're not going to make the money. You're going to, yeah. you might make it, but you're going to, loo- like, it's mm-hmm. going to cost you. So, when you can make money from a place of stillness or centeredness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- do that, you know, you're attracting money, you're building abundance, you're doing those things. The game completely changes again. I I totally interrupted you Kara.
0: No, I was just going to say, I'm curious about your partnership. Were you guys in financially stable positions when you got together or is that something you got to heal (laughs) together?
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. We were joking because we just had our biannual fight about this. We, we, we fight about twice a year, but we, (laughs) it's interesting when you, when you have a really great partner you're doing this work with like we we joke that we have a biannual fight. We it's not even a fight, but in the beginning they were like knock them, drag out like the world uh, is ending. Yeah. I'm leaving. Like it's over. <laughs> I, like, I can't believe right. And now it's like, oh, this is amusing. We'll be out of this in three hours and we'll be watching Ted Lasso. You yes. know I mean? like, oh, yeah. We love him so much. So, so it's interesting, but we were in very different financial positions. And you know, I'm the I got out of debt girl and the financial coach person and he had just you know made a series of terrible decisions and you know he was where i was 20 years ago and so we had all of these issues and and you know i we were you know i had this sort of un you know sort of unspoken expectation that i never discussed with him that i didn't even realize i had Uh. but that it was he was supposed to provide for me Mm. and care for me and I don't know where I got that from, but every gentleman that I had dated prior to him had like paid for stuff or Mm -hmm. done stuff. And he was raised by like this amazing feminist. Like she is honestly the greatest woman. My mother-in-law is one of my favorite humans. I I didn't grow up in that environment, so I didn't get that. But, but in the end it was like a huge gift for me to realize like, Oh, like, Oh, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not playing. We don't have to do these expectations where Mm. there's no, like I am my own human and I'm healthy. He, He doesn't, if he doesn't pay, doesn't mean this. Like if he doesn't buy me flowers after a fight, it doesn't mean this. Like we, it was just such a, like, we really had to remove all of the things. And I finally had to be like, what is my deal? Like, why am I so angry about, you know, this little tiny financial thing? And I had to connect it with, like at the end of the day, I was feeling fear mm-hmm. because I felt like, oh, if you're not going to help provide what happened, like what's that survival thing like if suddenly I can't either. Yeah. And so we had to really like peel back all of those layers and and have a lot of those like honest conversations, a lot of tears. I think people need to understand if you have financial discussions and there's no tears, you haven't dug deep. Like, you don't get, you gotta get. It's never about the money. Yeah. It's never about the money. It's always about that unmet need. That's like underneath. Right. And then we have a like little belief or a little saying that like, there's only ever two choices in any decision, mm. love or fear. Yeah. And so which is going to be the like where are we at? Right. Is this a fear-based decision? And for me, it usually is. Cause my default is like, Oh my gosh, this sky is falling. Like bring it over. and his default is like, it's going to be okay. Like let's, so we really had to f- realize that when I'm panicking financially, it's because I'm afraid mm-hmm. when he's panicking financially, it's because he feels like he can't go do something fun. Mm. So it's, it's, we had to really just get to this place where I have to be okay. And I really am like, honestly, he's the greatest human that ever existed, but it's mm. like, I have to be okay with all of his emotions around finances, even the ones that I think are silly. And he has to be totally okay with all of my, you know, emotions around finances, even the ones like, sometimes I'll be crying and he'll be like, why are you crying? And I'll be like, did you see what happened in the stock market today? It was so <laughs> beautiful. <It's>
1: so, <laughs> so happy.
2: <laughs> why are you right? But like, that's, part of my expression and whatever around money and his is very different and really giving each other the space and Mm -hmm. even allowing each other to make financial mistakes has been critical for us like there's not one right way to do this I'm not right because I'm the financial person he's not right because you know like it it just is and it's okay that He overspent on this over here. I'm not his mom. I don't need to punish him on that. Like, it's okay that I overspent on this. Like, we will figure it out. But we just had to have those really gross, really honest discussions. And no matter the outcome, we knew that we were going to, you know, love each other no matter what. And I think that that's the key that's missing in finances Mm -hmm. and why people struggle you know, they say finances breaks up more marriages than anything else. Yeah. And I don't believe that to be true. I believe the, re- the core of the relationship was already struggling. The finances Absolutely. are the obvious result of what else is going on. Yeah. So good. But that said, your finances can be a really great catalyst for actually figuring out what is going on inside. Yeah. Cause the numbers don't lie, right? Like you, you'll be like, we're doing really great. Like, you know, the neighbors that we all have that have the boat and the, Camper and the thing and the whatever, and there, whatever. And then suddenly they're divorced, right? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, let, what was really going on there, right? They look like they broke up because they were overextended, but they were both searching for something yeah. that wasn't in each other or wasn't in themselves, right? Which, so anyway, that's my giant that. TED talk on the.
0: <laughs> I love that TED talk. I love too, because I think I, I was thinking about that when you were talking, this idea that like they say what sex and money are the two breakers of marriage. And I'm like, I love that your story is, uh, is one of moving from what we would call more brokenness to more healing within the context of partnership, which I think is not often the case for people, mostly because they're not willing to go to that deeper place of really looking at what is actually the fear surrounding this. What is the actual belly of this? So I love that yours is a story of actually moving into healing, which is just so hopeful in partnership.
2: But I think that's the work. Like we do that work in the get the hell out of debt program with couples, right? Like we, mm. I have a free download on my website where I'm like, here's the questions you got to ask each other. And you have to ask, like, here's the rules around how you ask questions. Is yeah. like, That's good. You don't get an input on their decision. That's good. Yeah. Your job is to just listen and whatever they say is going to be okay. And you're going to love them anyway. So the whole time they're sharing whatever deep, horrible, dark thing happened to them when they were seven years old and they went to buy my little pony at the mm. gr- at the toy store and what you know what I mean like whatever your job is to like shoot like love beams of light out of your eyeballs at mm. them and just like listen to that story wholeheartedly and like project love onto that human as they're sharing that really horrible thing yeah. and just sit with them in whatever motion comes up and then you get to do the same and I think yeah. that regardless if you're talking about money or if you are talking about sex or if you are talking about your parents in law or you know, the boss, that's a jerk or whatever. If you can have that posture in the marriage, then everything else will, will work really well. Yeah. The holding space. Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: You are the queen. Of. <laughs> I got that's lucky. A, that's what Caleb says. We're in, we're in my hometown right now. We're in Holland, Michigan. And, um, we were, dr- we were riding bikes today and, uh, we drove by this neighborhood. We biked by this neighborhood where I had a paper route and oh, I, cool. And I, uh, I told Caleb I was the paper girl of the year when I was fifteen. <laughs> so hey, I can me, see that. <laughs> so accomplished. But it's so funny because from a really young age, I, um, I started working. I, I had a paper out at thirteen or fourteen, and then I had a thousand jobs in high school and then into college and, um, and really had uh, the responsibility to provide for myself. My parents kind of sent me on my own at age six, 16, which in some ways I'm, I'm so grateful for, I learned a lot. In some ways I'm like, oh, I don't wanna do that to a kid. <laughs> but it's interesting thinking, even being here in my, in my hometown and, and having that stuff resurface, these stories of like, oh, I have to take care of myself mm-hmm. or like I'm the one who's responsible for me or if I don't ca- take care of me, no one ever will. And I think in partnership with Caleb, I mean, it's been such a a gift to be able to vocalize those things, kind of what you're saying, like in your download and asking these questions because they're so deeply rooted in in us from childhood. Mm -hmm. These stories, these like belief systems we make up or interpret or or create narratives around from, from little things, from having to have a paper route, you know, there was a story that came from that and I think it's such beautiful work that you do to allow people to unpack that, especially together, because Mm -hmm. I think so many, so many of us don't know how. No, we, really we don't, don't know, know what we don't
1: know, mm-hmm. right? right? Until mm-hmm. you make the un- was it yeah. Until you make the unconscious conscious, you know, life happens, and we'll continue to call it fate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
2: and I'm like this. Like I was an entrepreneur; I own my own business. I was doing it. Like I didn't even know that I had this expectation that he should take care of me. Yeah. Like, what am I, a trophy wife? Like, What <laughs> happened? Where did I get that? I. But it was so deeply in there, and I think. Yeah like had we not been able to have those discussions, if it hadn't been safe for me to say that I would have continued to live out this pattern of frustration with him for Mm -hmm. so long. Mm -hmm. So, and then go ahead. No, I was going to say, and then it allows him to sort of step into kind of caretaking me for me sometimes, not in that way, but in like, like, Hey, I was out and I bought you a slurpee and I'm like, Oh, thank you. I'm so cared for. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like, it's just a way that he can show love now that he knows that that's my, like this, crazy, stupid wound that I got. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just
1: saying like this, even when we're talking about finances, there are so many variables Mm -hmm. outside of finances that play a pivotal role, a massive Mm -hmm. role in reaching your financial goals or financial success in life. Like if a, you don't have the capacity to create a most safe emotional spaces for your partner not happening like you cannot have hard conversations around finances so you're going to continue to butt heads or you're going to continue to do the same things and Mm. continue to have the same experiences around finances like if you're not willing to be vulnerable yourself if you're not willing to practice self-awareness and learn and be kind of more observant of the things that surface in your own life like there are just so many things out there that we have to learn Mm. in addition to yeah you know the things that we're learning in the financial world that play a pivotal role or are directly correlated to yeah. us, you know, succeeding financially. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't, if I don't feel emotionally safe with you, I'm not going to talk to you about how, when I was six, I went to the grocery store or the the convenience store, pack a sack in my <laughs> hometown. And my I walked around the corner and I bought a bag of candy, been eating candy since I was born, but I bought a bag of candy and it was like 75 cents and I gave the cashier a dollar and I somewhere heard, keep the change. Like I heard that somewhere and I was like, that's a cool thing to say. Keep the change. Well, I go home and my mom says, where's the change? And I said, Oh, I told the cashier to keep it. Right, and I got scolded, and I was <gasps> humiliated. Right, so I'm, here I am. You I'm so humiliated. Generous. Well, this plays a pivotal. This plays a, a massive, yes. a, a massive role in my relationship with money. Mm. Again, the shame that I'm carrying from my childhood, the narratives around myself, and how I handle money. All of this plays a role, and I can't unpack this with my partner. Right, I can't talk about the if I don't feel emotionally safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And or so, if they're going to
2: make fun of you. Absolutely. Or gonna, yeah. Like, and so
1: yeah. it's because it's so easy for them to be like, that's stupid. That happened so long ago. Yeah. Like, oh God, here we go.
0: Or I think yeah. even Aaron, what you said, like, I think so many women come in to relationship with the expectation of a man providing or like taking care of me. And I remember I was, we were in California with a, a couple of friends, I don't know, six months ago. <laughs> And it, we were having this conversation and, and the friend, the girlfriend was like, you don't expect him to take care of you. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't, I I think of us as a partnership, but I think a lot of times we come into relationship with certain expectations that aren't named, right? So we come in, if I had come into the relationship with the expectation that you were going to be my sugar daddy, we would have had a lot of problems but there were other expectations that we probably both came in yeah. that we had to name kind of what you were saying. You had to name this, this silent little sneaky expectation that was buried there. And yeah. I think until we're willing to look at that in ourselves, like if yeah. we're willing to look at ourselves and say, what are the, 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 things I'm coming into this relationship, believing and expecting from a person. And until we can name those and name them in a safe context yeah. it's really hard to do the work of yeah. of emotional healing around money
2: yeah and it when you don't name the un, like the the hidden expectation then you start to create a bunch of rules around mm-hmm. what has to happen in the relationship in order for you to be happy mm-hmm. so then like your standard you don't have the standards and you've got all these expectations for somebody else so they're never going to live up to them because they don't know what they are and they don't know how to meet them but you've like decide, right. If I had decided that, he, you know, he had to take care of me in order for me to feel, it would have meant like, you know, it, it would have just, Oh gosh. <laughs> right. We were just headed down this off. I just think of like where we would be, but like it, just a total path of resentment. Mm. And, and the resentment is always unexpressed anger, or unexpressed like emotion. And so the buildup of that over Mm. time, when you look at couples who like constantly fight about money after like 10, 20, 30 years, it can still be undone. It can still be healed. All of that. Mm -hmm. It's just so much more difficult because you have to not only unwind now what that expectation was, but now each and every little rule that you put in place that kept you there that long in order for Mm -hmm. you to maintain this idea of a relationship yeah. of happiness and it's all false mm. and so it That's becomes good. very dangerous because as you start to pull those little Jenga pigs out right yeah. it's like the whole thing is teetering and it's it's yeah so the sooner you can kind of get to this place of all right like what is like you guys were talking about what's my relationship to money do I respect money do I do I have this in my evangelical childhood of like the idea of the love of money is the root of all evil. So now I'm repelling money because I don't want to be evil or Mm -hmm. so, right? Like all those little things when you can just get to that place where you can have those open conversations, then as little things crop up, it almost gets funny. Like Mm -hmm. we giggle all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I think that's from grade eight. And then, (laughs) you know, you kind of have like these really funny, Mm -hmm. almost charming Mm -hmm. conversations and they have no power over you. And they're just like little tiny stories and you can, make them mean something different than you made them mean when you were
1: eight years Mm.
0: old or or whatever
1: has there been something that has surfaced um more recently in your own body or thought life around money Mm. where you caught yourself um maybe in um a narrative that has been going unchecked or just a thought process where you're like i'm like oh that's silly
2: yeah. I mean, it's all the time, right? Cause of course I do this work all the time. So I'm constantly triggered by people and their stories and all kinds. And I have to like, you know, kind of do that stuff. I can't think of one specific example, but but something that I noticed happening even just like as this book was coming out mm-hmm. is like, I am an introvert and I'm deathly shy. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly like I am going on, like, <laughs> I'm on GMA next week. Right. And oh I Oh my
1: am, gosh. Congratulations. Yeah. Amazing.
2: So I'm terrified of that. Like I am so there's this weird part of me that wants to repel success because mm. I'm afraid of being seen. Mm. So on the one hand, I'm like, I got this book and I've been helping people for years and I'm serving them or whatever. But then there's this other part is as it gets bigger, it's like, I'm like, I have to really consciously be like, okay, receive, like That's be tough. open to right. Like, yeah. it's so I I'm, I'm brushing up against that a lot right now, but I think that might even have more to do with just my own, you know, the self-worth issues and all that kind of stuff that we all have, right? Like who am I to say, I, you know, whatever, like Mm -hmm. I have this track record, I've got this, but still that little part of you is like, yeah, but I've only helped like thousands of people,
0: (laughs) you know, not a million yet.
1: Yeah. I get that.
2: So, Yeah. And I think that the fun part of it all is that like, I'm now in this position or posture where I'm like, oh okay this never ends mm-hmm. like this never goes away i work for the number one motivational speaker in the yeah. world he has the kindest heart and he's the most generous person and the gift of working for him has been seeing that even a guy that plays at that level mm. can get off the stage and be like was that okay mm. you know what i mean there's yeah. a moment where it's like and i'm like oh my gosh he's okay. human so yeah. this is this is going to be okay i watched seinfeld one time i sat in the front row of a up comedy thing and Seinfeld came out and I was so close to him. I was watching him shake like, as mm. he came out. He was like holding the microphone and I was wow. like, this is such a gift for me to yes. see other people get That's nervous. So too; Like they play yeah. at these crazy levels and we assume that they have no problems or that we assume they have no, you know, but we all do. And I, and so, you know, we're going to all brush up against those things. And I think when we can, realize that there, this is not a finite game. We don't get to a place where money's going to be easier. We don't get to a place where relationships are going to be mm-hmm. a breeze, mm-hmm. but we get to do the work the whole way. Mm-hmm. And that posture, I think, can really help us master not only our money, but just our relationship with each other and ourselves.
0: So That's so good. I'm just thinking of that concept of self-worth and how like, every time we lean into to a little bit more belief around our own worthiness like it it expands the ceiling of what's possible yes. and i love that 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 your work is about expansion and that you you have to do the work while you're teaching the work
2: yes absolutely well mm-hmm. i fail like i'll you know i'll tell people that i'm working with like oh gosh i totally blew this yesterday like this is i i was standing at the edge of this decision and i mm-hmm. you know i biffed it and you know, I just, I think that's important to hear because I, when I hear that from other people too, it helps, it helps me. Cause I, you just assume like, you know, when, we first started this call, I looked at you. I was like, Oh my gosh, look at her. How is she? Like, why?" Is she time? You're like, that's not how I feel. I was like, well, no, I feel <laughs> you feel sometimes like you're not 100% confident. Like, <gasps> cause you just assume, right. I'm like, gosh, mm. if I was Kara, I'd be like, you know, you just make those assumptions about people. Yeah. right? So yeah. I think it's important that we all recognize that the thread that runs, we're all going to have that little bit of unworthiness. We're all yeah. going to have that little bit of imposter syndrome. We're all going to have those days where we feel so good. unlovable or uncomfortable or whatever. And but that's okay. That's not ever going to change. It's just Mm -hmm. how much power are we going to give that versus Mm. what are we going to choose to believe in the moment? Mm. Yeah.
0: And can we hold truth as, um, as something is not black and white, but really like it's true. And I have imposter syndrome. It's Mm. true. And I feel nervous. It's true. And I feel. Yeah. Twinges of, you know, doubt around my self worth.
1: That's so good. Yeah. Wait, what is something most recent with you? That's money that has surfaced that you've realized.
0: Oh man. Um uh I well I think this has surfaced before, but I think I'm just really leaning into the the narrative of not enoughness mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. and how I think that I think that I've always had, had to make money to pay my bills. Like that's how I've thought about making money. It's like, oh, I need to I mean I need to make enough. I need to make enough money to to live, to pay yeah. rent, to do the thing, and I think, right. in the past year and a half, we've, I mean, we've both transition transitioned so much and said we want to build a life. Especially now, being pregnant, having a kid, you're like, I don't, I don't want to make enough. I want to build. I want to have excess, and so I think it's brought up. Um, brought up this inherent belief that I have that there's just not enough. There's enough for everybody else. But I always tell Caleb, I'm like the middle child of five. And when everybody else in, you know, in their lunch boxes wanted gushers, but I wanted the fruit roll up, we got gushers because Mm. that's what was best for everybody else. So there's a little bit of like, I don't get what I want. There's Mm. not enoughness that circles around finances. Um, So I think that's been surfacing, but it's been interesting as I have healed that more (laughs) how much more I've invited in financially. It's fascinating. Mm. Not by doing anything. I haven't done anything differently. Just being you, just being me doing the exact same work I'm doing. More people are coming to work with me because I'm behind the scenes healing this thing. It's, it's so energetic, right? Yeah. It's so fascinating to watch and be like, Oh, this is energy. But yeah, I feel like that's the big one for me.
1: Yeah. You have done because I know for me, like walking away from the NFL, sleeping on that basement floor, losing everything, I have experientially learned that my life is always being held. Mm-hmm. Like I have a deep knowing in me that my life is being held. I'm maybe not where I need to be financially or where I want to be financially, um, but I, I've i seen and experienced time and time and time again mm. the universe delivering. And yes. so that's been like a big, It was kind of a conflicting where she had like this really anxious, like need more, make more. It's not enough. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but then there's also been this like level of complacency that I haven't, or that I kind of embody because it's a response to a trauma response where I don't feel safe with money. Um, and so just enough is good with me. Yeah. Like being held, it's good with me. Right. But it looks like faith. It looks good. Like people like, Oh, how are you so calm around this? But it's actually, uh, this kind of limiting ceiling over my life. And so it's been interesting for me. I just hired a coach with, um, around speaking, like having a daughter on the way, I have known now that like I have to completely change my speaking business and the way that I do things. And I've also known it was time for me to expand and to step into a, um, into a kind of a higher version of myself. And so I know that that would require me to invest in somebody to speak into my life and to help me get there. And so I made yeah. this massive investment and part of the work that we did is he kind of said, where are you at now? And we assigned a number of value to it. And he said, does this feel right? I'm like, that's exactly where I'm at. And then he says, where do you want to be? And, Essentially we're going from me speaking sixty-five times a year to twenty times, but yes still tripling my income. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: obviously that's where I want to be. And so he said, like Caleb, after, you know, reviewing you and studying you and like the work that you're doing and who you are, this is the number that I think you can do in a year. Like this is the number I've seen this happen. You have everything to make this happen. But he says, How does that feel with you? And I had a moment where I was just like, everything in me wants to be like, Hell yeah. Like that's the number right? Like that's what I'm going to do. But I know now after years of doing work that if I'm not willing to be honest with myself, I'm setting myself up for failure. So I wanted to be honest with myself and I'm like, I don't feel safe. With that number. With that number. It's too big. Like that number is actually too big for me right and so I know though like from a point of self-awareness that that's where I can be but not until I feel emotionally safe to get there so we actually scaled back just a little bit I'm like and i checked into my heart and I'm like I feel safe with that number like that number's doable right Right. and so it's just a a really big learning point to me where like back in the day when I was operating from a lot of ego and trying to fight for significance and do something meaningful with my life and it was all the shame shame response of me not being enough so I'm trying to make it enough by everything that I do, I would have strived for that number and I would have mm-hmm. killed myself in the process.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah, so or you would have sabotaged. I, or I would have uh, sabotaged, uh, right? Way, or I would yeah. have built
1: a case around why I never got it and blamed the right. person with the who was mm-hmm. in my life or blamed this right. X, Y, and Z. So it's just right. been interesting to see like it is this evolution. It is a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's constantly yes. evolving. And the best thing that we can do um from my experience is like, how do I be radically honest with myself yeah, yeah. radically honest with myself yeah. with where I'm at in regards to my relationship with money
0: yeah and we can't trust ourselves until we're radically absolutely honest. absolutely not and I feel like money is an area that so requires good. so much self-trust. stepping into self-trust yeah and if we can't be honest I always use this analogy but if Caleb was lying to me all the time I wouldn't trust him yeah so if I am not radically honest with myself how can I possibly in trust be myself. in self-trust yes so I think one other thing oh go ahead you were going to say something
2: no, no, I was just gonna say like, you know, we see that all the time, like on the number side of things, it, it looks like when people have been in a position of debt for a long period of time and struggled, and then they come to us and they get out of debt, you know, in a year, year and a half. Um, when I say outside, that's wrong. That's making it sound like I'm participating and I'm not, I'm just giving the information they're doing the work. But sometimes in order to reverse that, like you're saying, Caleb, like, like If they don't believe it, it's not going to happen. So instead of being like, okay, so now that we're out of debt, we're going to put away $50,000. We put $50,000 in the liability column of their network spreadsheet and we make them pay that money back because they're so good. They know that they can pay off debt. They've been paying off debt for years, right? So they feel comfortable with debt. So instead we make that debt to themselves and so Mm. we put in debt $50,000 themselves and they'll pay that off, right? Which increases their net worth by $50,000, but it doesn't feel, so, you know, what you're saying there is so critical, how you had to be like, I had to check in with my heart and be like, okay, that feels okay. Because it's, you know, there's lots of financial people out there with all this bravado and be like, just go for it. But the problem is if deep down unconsciously, you're like, nah, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. One thing I want to ask you about, I know we're coming up on an hour, but one thing I want to ask you about really quickly is we've talked about this idea. Caleb has said many times in his life, I don't care about money. I don't, I don't care.
1: It's not a motivator. It's not a motivator
0: for me. And I, we've been digging in it a little bit and just exploring like, could that be something that is more of a shame response or avoidant response? Or are there people that just don't really care? Um, well, I think you don't, you haven't
2: connected with what it's going to care for, right? So mm-hmm. instead, if we were to say, like, if we, you create a vision for yourself and be like, okay, well, um, I want to retire with my wife, you know, by the ocean with our six grandbabies or whatever at the age of whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Then what you're saying is, I don't care about retiring with my wife. Mm-hmm and those six grand babies. And now that mm-hmm. changes yeah. the tone of the conversation. Right. So often it is an avoidant response. Often it is like, a um, I'm going to reject you before you reject me. Yeah. When yeah. you say, I don't care about money. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I've been hurt by you before. I'm not right. So mm-hmm. it can be what can help with that. And, you know, so that you, cause I do agree that the root of money, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. I really do agree with that. I, you know, when people get, fixated on the money instead of what the money does and the purpose and the giving and the sharing and all of that. Absolutely. That's why I say like the respect of money is the, the, that's the relationship we have to work on because respect Mm. does encompass love, but it's a different tone and it's not a worship. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a, like a a relationship. Mm.
0: Um,
2: But when you can connect it with like what your purpose is, right? Like um, do you care about feeding the homeless? Well, yes, I know that you do. Right. So in, you, the money is the thing that can help you feed the homeless. You can give totally. lots of money away. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you don't care about the money, um, you're rejecting it. And so what you're saying is I don't care about feeding the homeless. Yeah, That's yeah, so yeah. Good. When instead you can be like, okay, what is it we want? What are we building? Yeah. Like, yeah. even if you just have this vision of like the, not necessarily the stuff, right. Not necessarily the house you want to live in or whatever, but sometimes that can be Absolutely. what it is. hmm you have that vision. Now suddenly you care about money because it's the money's the to means to help you do those things. Right. So yeah, I would be cautious with that language if I were you, but I would find a new way to connect to it so that it's You asked meaningful. that
1: question intentionally, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know we're having a fight after this. I get that. And here's why I would say that this is timely for me is because I have literally spent um the last 10 years of my life finding myself trying to find my voice mm-hmm. I have been after there has been this this uh gap this void that has been what has been the motivator behind my life it is the reason why I keep leaning forward into my healing because I'm sa- trying to satisfy this deep ache and I can honestly say as I have reframed that and I've learned to not try to satisfy the deep ache but actually befriend the deep ache and actually accept mm-hmm. the deep ache mm-hmm. it's yes. revolutionized my life and now I have just gotten to this point where I honestly feel like I'm at zero now <laughs> mm, where right, I can actually right. start intentionally. I'm so aligned yeah. with my life. I'm so aligned yeah. with who I am. And now I'm at this yeah. place where I'm no longer searching. It's time to start building. And so yeah. I do think that I'm in this season as my astrologist, it's an astrologer <laughs> to say, um, that like uh, I've been in a 10 year holding pattern mm. and that seasonal, like from, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? from an astrologist standpoint, like that has all shifted mm. um, and I'm out of that season now. So she's like, it's no coincidence that you're in this place of building. But I will say to your point, 100% agree with that where it's like, now I think I'm finally in this place of like really birthing deep purpose mm. and vision, which money now will be a motivator to make this happen.
2: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like when we connect that the, the, the money comes when we are like in service or we're providing mm-hmm. some value. Absolutely. Versus it being like, right? Like, that's going to be mm-hmm. key too. Because what you're going to have to do, and this is always the hardest part as you step into the stuff, is you're going to have to accept that you are of high value. Mm-hmm.
1: T- that's good. In order
2: to be able to receive the money,
1: which good. I think you're ready for. Thank I you. Think. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Aaron, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love i I can't believe i forgot that you guys are expecting i've been so excited about this oh my gosh. can (laughs) you believe it oh little baby girl coming at us in january yeah she's gonna be a really good teacher yes i'm excited
1: that's a whole other conversation it's just Mm -hmm. been a whirlwind of I've been paying so much attention to how, like, even with her nieces and nephews that were visiting this week, mm-hmm. my natural body response to certain things happening and being like, I am so glad that it's surfacing and I'm aware because that's just not how I want to parent. Caleb
0: wants to be a dictator parent.
1: <laughs> my natural response is this authoritarian, don't do like, that. don't do that because I didn't, I said, I don't care what you feel. Yeah. Like, I said, don't do that. Right. And I'm like, oh my right. God, that's how I was parented. And now. Right. And it's just it's been so eye opening for me because I've been spending like all this, and this is why like bringing her into the world is such a gift because I've I've spent the last decade, over a decade, intentionally healing, and I don't know if I've ever would allow this to surface in my life mm. unless she came along. Yeah, right. right. And so this we're, we both see it as a the universe gift. is like. There's more <laughs> healing. Let's do
0: more healing. Yeah. Let's keep going. No, we're so excited. But Aaron, honestly, I I'm thinking about this conversation and I'm like. You are doing such yeah. beautiful healing work in the world through an area that feels so vulnerable for mm-hmm. so many people. And there's so much shame and avoidance and all the things in this one specific area. So thank you for yes. the, the voice of freedom that you offer in it. Mm-hmm. And thank you for the, the tools you offer. I feel like just in a simple way of asking the right questions and helping people reframe, you're, you're offering such amazing yeah. transformational work. So I want to honor that. It's really, Thank it's you. incredible. Means
1: a lot. And real quick, do you have a course? Did you say that? I actually don't know. So you have a course out there. We'll make sure to link yeah. that. up Yeah, say a little tell bit us, about it.
0: Tell us where we can find you and yeah. course things. It's, it's, I'm, I'm everywhere at Aaron Sky Kelly. Um, and although
2: I, I really should say this, it's important that you put Kelly because some people put like Aaron Sky and then Google will s- sort of autofill it and then they hit enter. But there's a porn star named Aaron Sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I just feel like it's important. <laughs> Because I've had people send me pictures and I'm like, <laughs> that oh, is I'm so down the rabbit hole did you go before you questioned whether or not this was me? <laughs> Porn That's and so money,
1: good. man. Porn and money. <laughs> That's wow.
2: So, good. <laughs> <laughs> so she's also doing God's work. But anyway, um, <laughs> we, healing uh, God's so can, work. <laughs> find me everywhere at Erin Sky Kelly. And the book, Get the Hell Out of Debt, is in all the bookstores. And the course is at getthelotodebt.com. And the thing to know about the course is, um, it's $99 to take the course. It's lifetime access. It's absolutely ridiculously cheap on purpose mm-hmm. so that, you know, it can reach the most amount of people. But if you cannot afford the course, we do have sponsorship available. Love so it. you just sign up, tell us you can't pay. And what usually happens is people who've been through the course and who've paid off all their debt or radically transformed their finances, turn around and sponsor somebody else. It's to amazing. Move in. And so that's always an option as well.
1: I love that. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Kara said it, thank but I second it. Thank you for showing up in your life and owning your own story and really paving a way for others to do the same yeah. around their finances. Thank um, you.
2: And you two for doing this together finally. Like, <laughs> thank
1: you. Oh. But again, Here <laughs> thank we are. You. Um, but yeah, we'll have this out and we'll have all of your resources and ways to connect with you in the description to this podcast. But thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon.